Let's stand and take our Bibles, please, tonight. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Thank you for being here this evening. And um, doing things a little bit different this year, but uh, I believe God will be glorified from it. Romans chapter 16. Pray that you'll have a wonderful Christmas, and uh, if you can join us on Tuesday night, if you don't have other family obligations, but I hope you can join us Tuesday night, and we'll sing a few more hymns and uh, Christmas hymns, really everything be Christmas-centered, have a short message, try to get you out here by 7.30, so if some of you have Christmas Eve festivities, you can join that. If you can't make it, we understand that, and just pray for the services, and then pray for as we go into next Sunday, we're praying for a good finish to the year, and hope that you'll come prepared to give your final offering of the year, and to give God the glory and everything. How many feel that God has just been good to you this year? Amen? That's been very good to us. We like the Lord for that. I'm thankful Brother John's here, but it's Brother John now. Brother John got saved last Sunday, and we're thankful for that. Church family's excited, man. We're just so excited for you. I told him if the baby comes tonight, that's fine. You can, you can go ahead and take, take your wife out and uh, take her to the hospital. I won't stop the service for it, you know. Just be fine. It's all good. Amen. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Romans 16, verse 25. If uh, there's a visitor here in church that doesn't have a Bible, please share your Bible with them this evening. Help them find their place. Romans chapter 16, verse 25, very last chapter of the book of Romans. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scripture of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God, made known to all nations, for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Would you read verse 27 with me together, please? To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. We're not trying to keep the theme a secret to you. The choir sang a new special number tonight that we just thank the Lord, even though a little bit of a smaller choir and a smaller orchestra of folks on vacation, they did a powerful job of just uh, helping prepare the way for our theme for 2020. Our theme centers on two words, only God. And we're thankful for God, his, his power, and just thinking of the incarnation of Jesus Christ and the bodily resurrection of Christ. But tonight, we just want to spend some time looking at the scriptures and considering some things that just bring our thoughts back to an only God mindset, an only God ministry, an only God life that we should have. And so tonight, I want you to think with me this evening about Paul's closing statement to the church at Rome, to God only wise. Paul spends some time thinking about who God is. In fact, if you get to chapter 15, he starts revealing God in a very, very uh, theological way. He talks about the God of all patience and consolation. And he talks about the God of all hope. And here in chapter 16, he talks about the God, of, the God of peace who bruises Satan under our feet. And he talks about God who's everlasting here in verse 26. And he talks about God only wise in verse 27. And, and I would dare to say this evening that as we go into the new year, if there's anything we really need to emphasize more than ever before, is only God in every facet of our life. Now, Father, this evening, we're just thankful for a congregation that enthusiastically sang uh, songs tonight, really not knowing what was prepared on the agenda, but enthusiastically singing those songs from their heart, excited for the Lord. I thank you for many of our people who are still here right now for before Christmas begins and here to worship God. And uh, Lord, we thank you for 2020. This has been an incredible year, incredible journey. We thank you for many salvation decisions this year. And uh, Lord, just, just the things you've done in our, our church and just help us to realize that God is not what we do. It's, it's only about God. And uh, this tonight is 
Because we, we go into the subject for just a little bit. Work past my inadequacy and my insufficiency and work past God, my speech impediments. And God, I pray that we'd see God only who's holy. And I pray tonight that we'd see God only who's all powerful. And we'd see tonight God only who's most high, the most high God. And this evening, Lord, I pray we'd see God who's our everlasting Father and the God of Lord, the Christmas story, the God who is, ma- who is manifest in the flesh. And this evening, I pray that you draw us closer to you. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Help us to recognize tonight, if God be for us, who can be against us? And he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We thank you tonight that Paul could proclaim in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, now unto him, that is God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God, I pray that our thoughts would be occupied with you and you alone. Bless the service tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a story told of a little, little of a of a Christian school, and a kindergarten teacher was just kind of observing the their, their young people, and they kind of gave them a break to gave them some paper and crayons and things like that. And I've learned many times when we've had to just you know we ask families to come to the church and to visit with me for a little bit there. Sometimes I've got to keep the kids entertained, and and uh, so we try to keep some crayons around and some pieces of paper, and we'll give them something. Hey, why don't you draw something here? And and uh, we'll try to find a Sunday school lesson that was left over for the children that we give them. So teachers, if you're missing a Sunday school lesson there's probably because I took it and gave it to somebody there but uh, we try to do something like that and so this child was just this boy was sitting there and he was drawing away and he's just really focused on on what he was doing and the teacher came up and said what are you drawing what are you doing there and the boy said this I'm drawing a picture of God and the teacher stopped for a minute smiled and says but nobody knows what God looks like and the little boy kind of just fixated his eyes on the, on the teacher. He says, they will after I've finished drawing him. And uh, I'm reminded tonight that sometimes we don't, really have a fixed, we don't really have an idea who God all is. And we think we do, but we don't. You know, the, the word theology means the, the, the doctrine or the study of God. And we use the term theologian to describe someone who supposedly is a student of God. And I get a little wary sometimes of these men who go through, uh, who get a degree in a Bible college and maybe a master's degree and go on to get an earned doctorate and they go on to some seminary somewhere and and uh, somebody they ask me every now and then they come from other church they say have you been to seminary I said nope I haven't got messed up amen you know I haven't gone there got messed up there amen and uh, you know but they come out and they think they're theologians and really you know I, I would just say if you're humble tonight you understand that you don't know everything you need to know about God Amen. You know, I mean, you just don't know everything you need to know about God. And you just realize God knows everything about you and me, but we don't know everything there is to know about God. And, and so tonight I want us to consider some things about, about God. And as we lead into that, think with me for a moment about our Western culture. Our Western culture we live in right now is seeing a dramatic decline and shift downwards, a decline in people who believe in God. The, the percentages today are very astounding as far as college graduates who come out of secular universities by the time they graduate have decided they have no belief in God. And while we're seeing in modern day Christianity a decline in the number of people who acknowledge a belief in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in God, we see an increase of those who declare themselves to be part of the group called the nuns, N-O N-E-S, those who don't believe in anything. They, don't, they think there's a possibility there's a higher being, but they don't believe that there's anything there. They just really don't believe anything of that nature. And we're in a very pluralistic society where people think that any, any way can get to God, and they're just, their minds are just fixated on these type of things here. You know, and that shouldn't come to as a surprise to any of us. I mean, it's a disappointment, but it shouldn't be a surprise to any of us. Uh, Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 1. He talked about, he says in verse 19, 
17, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. And then we get down to verse 28, he makes a statement, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind and to do those things which are not convenient. And we have to remind ourselves tonight as we think of this shift that's going on just the decline in people just believing in God or having any idea of God, we must remind ourselves that the devil is a liar. And he's been a liar from the beginning. And the devil, his, his goal, and he's working very feverishly at this, is blinding the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Now we read that many times in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, but it should bother us and it should move us and it should disturb us that Satan is doing a pretty good job of blinding the minds of them that believe not. They just want no acceptance of that. We have the musical this past uh, past week and on Sunday night as we were going away so as soon as I got up and I opened the scriptures and started preparing the scriptures there was a small group that went out and basically told the person that invited them uh, we didn't really come to hear somebody talk about, about what we saw we just came to see a musical to get entertained and that's really the mindset of people and I, I understand where they're coming from I don't agree with where they're coming from but I understand where they're coming from we live in an entertainment society we also live in a very, in a very event, uh, event oriented society and we must be very careful as a church that the only way we can attract people is through events. I want to attract people because there's a God at work here. There's a God who still opens some red seas. And there's a God who still answers prayer. And so when we think about who, who, this, who Satan is, he is he's, he's enticing men to live for the worship of education, materialism, and self. Now when we think of all this, we also think about back in the days of Jeremiah. Back in the days of Jeremiah, he faced the same heart-rendering situation as they faced a spiritual crisis in the nation of Judah, and especially in the city of Jerusalem. Because the people of God, if you read his message, the people of God continued to profess a knowledge of God, and yet they were blatantly worshiping idols on their rooftops. They were, they were kind of doing a, 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 you know, kind of a dual worship of God. They worship God, and then they worship these idols. And so God was pleading with his people to realize that the right priority for their spiritual life is to know God. And I don't know if you have it in your notes, but if you don't, you might want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 9 and read verses 23 and 24 with me. Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24, because these are very powerful words that, that are sedgeway tonight into our message. And this is the message God gave to Jeremiah to give to his people. And by the way, this could be a good theme that we could have one day. He said, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. Listen to this. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercised loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. God says, you know what? You, you think you're wise, but don't glory in your wisdom. And he says, you think you're mighty, but don't glory in your might. And you think that you're rich, but don't glory in your riches. He said, if you have anything to glory in, anything to just magnify anything about, would you just do this one thing? Would you, would you, would you glory in this thing? Would you, would you understand and know me? God said, you know, the greatest quest in life is to get to know God. The greatest desire in life is to get to know God. Hey, this year in reading your Bible, how well did you get to know God? How well did you draw closer to him? How much more? Listen, the more we get closer to God, the smaller we will be. It's kind of like the story of the, of the, of the little, little girl that 
that uh, went to bed and she was scared about going to sleep all the time because she was scared of the dark. And so her father, her father thought, well, maybe I'll put a nightlight in her room and that'll help her. The nightlight didn't help her because it was still dim in the room. And so he thought, well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to I'm put a picture of Jesus there and uh, behind her to see if that'll help her. And that student didn't, didn't help her enough because it was behind her. So then he put a mirror on the wall and she learned something. When she, when she, and when she sat up, she realized that her face blocked the face face of Jesus, from the, from the, uh, when she looked in the mirror, the face of Jesus would be reflecting, but when she sat up, she would block the face of Jesus. But when she lowered herself, the lower she got, the more she saw of Jesus. And I remind you tonight that we need to be at a place in our life, no matter where we're at, the lower we get, the more we're going to see of Jesus. The more we humble ourselves, the more we're going to see of Jesus. What, and uh, I think of tonight about a statement that A.W. Tozer made. This is a very powerful statement. If it's not in your notes, listen very carefully. Tozer said this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So my question tonight is we're in the introduction. What comes to your mind when you think about God? Do you think about God? Is, is God just giving, 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 giving to you? Do you see God is, is indulging you? Or do you see God as God who's holy? God who's righteous, God who's all-powerful. And if God doesn't answer your prayer the way you like, is he still God in your life? Is he still all-powerful? If your trial leads to a disappointment in your life, are you disappointed in God or are you disappointed in the fact that you didn't get what you wanted? I mean, really, when you think about it tonight, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Does God only come to your mind when there's a spiritual emergency? Or does God only come to your mind when it's time to go to church? Or does God only come to our mind when a spiritual authority that God has placed in our life comes to us and we kind of need to straighten up a little bit because we realize they may be coming coming with an urgent message there. I mean, the question we have to ask ourselves tonight is, what comes to our mind? Notice what Paul says. He makes his closing statement, a powerful way of ending this, this powerful, powerful letter that he wrote to the church at Rome. He says, to God, only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. He's magnifying the God of the church. He's magnifying the God of salvation. He's magnifying the God of the resurrection. He's magnifying the God of the gospel. He's magnifying the God who never changes. He's magnifying to find the God who's forever and ever. And he said, you know what? Uh, he says, it doesn't matter what I've written here, and it doesn't matter what we know. Only God is wise. Only God is supreme in his wisdom. Only God is supreme in his understanding. He says, to God, only wise be glory through Jesus Christ. He said, you know, when I get to the end of this all this stuff, I really don't know what's going on, but I know God is wise, and God has it under control. And so tonight, we reverse those words, and I want you to see this tonight. Our theme for 2020 is only God. And the word only is kind of an interesting word because only implies some very strong statements. It implies something that's singular. It implies the meaning of none other. It implies an exception. It implies exclusivity. It implies something that is matchless. It implies something that is unequal. It implies something that is unparalleled. It implies something unique. It implies something that is unrivaled. It implies something that is without. When we say only God, we're saying there is no other solution but God. There is no other way but God. There is no other God but God. It's God and God alone. It's saying tonight, it doesn't matter what the United Nations comes up with. And it doesn't matter 
what the wise men of this world come up with and how, how many billions of dollars Amazon or Microsoft or Apple might be, there's still only one God and he's still on the throne. And it doesn't matter what they create and it doesn't matter what they clone and it doesn't matter whether they've got cars that could run without gas and so forth. It doesn't matter because only God is wise. Only God is unparalleled. Only God is unrivaled. Only God is mighty and only God is on his throne tonight. Only God means there's no other. It's not me and it's not you, it's him. And only God means, only means exclusive. I want you to see three things very quickly tonight in our message as we weave this together and talk about our theme and talk about next year and just a little bit here tonight. First of all, as we think about only God, I want you to think with me about God only in his excellence. God only in his excellence. God at his best. Paul put it this way. To God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. That was the theme of his life. And as we work our way through this theme this year, we find there many times in Paul's writings, he talks about giving glory to God. Now, when we think about God's excellence, we think about the fact his, he, that he is glorious for his excellence. He deserves all of our glory. God alone is infinite. God alone is all-powerful. God alone is eternal. God alone is almighty. God alone is Lord. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord who's our shepherd. He's the Lord who's our peace. He's the Lord who is, uh, who is who's present among us. He's the Lord who's our righteousness. He's the Lord who heals. He's the Lord who's our banner. Listen, we can go on and on. He is the Lord God Almighty. He alone is God and God alone. He alone is excellent. Notice if you would tonight, we see his excellence through declaration. We see his excellence by declaration. Would you consider some of the Bible characters and things they had to say about God, only God? Moses said this in Deuteronomy 4.39 Know therefore this day and consider it in thy heart that the Lord, he is God. Can I hear an amen tonight? That the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. You know what he saying there? Only God. And think of Hannah with me in 1 Samuel 2, 2, as she's giving this wonderful prayer. Here is a sterile, infertile woman who couldn't bear children, whose husband thought, if I give her more gifts than I give to my other wife, this will make her happy. And he, he didn't realize that's not going to make her happy. Here was a woman who came to the end of herself, and she realized only God can bless my womb, and only God can give me a son. And she went and prayed a very extreme prayer. She didn't pray a prayer that was selfish. She prayed a prayer that was selfless. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a man child, and uh, Lord, you blessed me so I can have a son, and if that's the only son I have, Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And you have to understand, she wasn't going to keep for 21 years of life. She was saying, the moment this son is weaned, he's going back to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at little babies. I look at my little, little granddaughter I've got right now. And the time we have, I could have her all the time along. I just feel like, you know what? It's just not enough time. We don't have enough time with them. With them. And the little kids, they're growing up so quickly. Those of you can remember, if you've got children under five, when they were an infant, and then they become one, they become two, they get those terrible twos. But you know, when you're a grandparent, they're not terrible twos because you give them back to their parents anyway, amen? You know, they have the terrible twos, and then they got their threes, they get their fours, and you're thinking about preschool and all these other things there, and they're growing up very quickly. And you have to put your Herself in Hannah's place, she considered all that, but she said, you know, he's going to be God. And she named him Samuel, and Samuel's name means asked of God. And she said this in 1 Samuel 2.2. She made a great declaration. This was her devotion time, her talk with God. She said, there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. You know what she's saying? Only God. 
Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 60, at the dedication of the temple, he said that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there's none else. You know what Solomon was saying? Only God. Now notice if you would, uh, God alone, and God, God in his own statement, as he speaks about Cyrus the king and how we provide Cyrus many years later to be a sovereign, a sovereign king that would, uh, would be his instrument in God's hand. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turns it whether so every will. And God used Cyrus in, in a marvelous ways we read through the Old Testament. But he made this statement, Isaiah 45, I am the Lord, there is none else. He said, I'm only God, there's no other God. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Now listen tonight, can you make that declaration? There's no God besides him. I mean, is everything surrendered to God? I mean, everything surrendered to God. There's no God beside him. What you give the most time to is what you worship. What you think about the most is what you worship. What is your priority is what you worship. And he says here, God said in Isaiah 45, uh, verse 5, I am the Lord, there's none else. There's no God beside me. He said, I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Think of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1, Samuel, uh, 1 Timothy 1.17. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. I think of the words of the Apostle John, as he said in 1 John 1.5, this then is the message which we have heard of him, and we declare to you. Now, if you looking for a message right here in verse 5. He says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He didn't say God was light or God shall be light. He said God is continuously light. I'm thankful for that this morning, amen. God is light and in him and there's no darkness at all. So we consider tonight the declaration of his, of his excellence. But let's go a little bit further. And would you consider with me tonight the demonstration of his excellence? The demonstration of his excellence tonight. In Genesis 1, we have the record of six literal days of God creating the heavens and earth. I was just kind of going over that again the other day, and I was just excited. Every time I read Genesis 1, I get so excited about thinking about all that God did there. But what I really like is when you start, as you read through Genesis chapter 1, the Bible pauses certain times, and God says he saw that what he had done, and he said it was good. Now, when God says it was good, it's pretty good, amen? He said he looked at it and it was good, and when he finished creation after six literal days, he said it was all good. I think of Genesis 21, when we get to that time when, when when Sarah conceived at the old age of 90, she was 90 years of age, and, and uh, Abraham was 100 years of age, and, they, and, they, and she bore that son to Abraham in his old age. And the Bible puts it this way, at the set time of which God had spoken unto him. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. God said, you know what? There's an appointed time, you're going to have that son. God made them wait 25 years, and the longer they waited, the more exasperating they became, because they were thinking, Lord, we're getting older. And the Bible describes this way their bodies were as good as dead that's how it describes I mean they basically were incapable they just didn't have the ability but it didn't matter what they couldn't do what really mattered was what God can do amen and so we see that but think with me tonight here's something I want to listen to some, some statistics tonight Moses had to lead three and a half million people through the desert now the the U.S. Army's quartermaster general did some calculations and they wanted to think about how astounding was it for God to take care of the nation of Israel. Now we read about this, but I want you to just kind of think with me for a minute as we, we, we work through this about what it took, what it entailed to take care of three and a half million people for 40 years, okay? Now they, they came down to this, Moses needed 1,500 tons of food a day. Now fathom for just a minute. 1,500 tons of food a day, which would fill two freight trains each a mile long. That's how much food God provided each and every day, six days a week, to take care of these people. Man in the morning, 
quail by night. And then you have to remember that something they had to cook as well there too. And just for cooking, they conservatively estimated that they took up 4,000 tons of firewood and a few more freight trains each a mile long to take care of just one day. I want you to think of me for just a minute. Every single day was like that. God in his provision took care of three and a half million unbelieving Jews with 1,500 tons of food each and every day. Now what a mighty God we serve, amen? It gets better than that. Let's think about the, what, how, much, how much water they had to drink. God took care of them. And again, you have to re- recognize those isolated incidences when, when they were traveling, where God, God produced water. Would you consider with me this evening, when, when they got there, maybe a couple days here and there where there was no water, would you consider with me just for drinking purposes only, for three and a half million people, that it required 11 million gallons each day, which is enough to fill a train of tanker cars 1,800 miles long. That's half of the distance, a little bit more than halfway across the United States of America. I mean, God took care of them when you think about the magnitude and the volume and the, cre- and the credibleness by which God took care of them. And then think with me tonight about one other calculation they made. He says, you know, if you think about it... Um, the, how, how did they get across the Red Sea? I mean, you think about it, they went across it in one night there, and, he, and they, they, thought, they thought this. They said, you know what? If, they, if all they did was had a narrow path, and they went double file, again, three and a half million people, they went double file, the line to, to, to go across the Red Sea would be 800 miles long and would require 35 days and nights to complete the crossing. You think of just a minute. Double file, 800 miles long, 35 days and nights to complete the crossing. So to get through one night, there had to be a space in the Red Sea, listen to this, three miles wide so they could walk 5,000 abreast to make it through the night. Now that's God. That's all I can tell you tonight. That is the demonstration part of God. When you think through the numbers for a minute and work through it quantitatively, you think about the fact God made himself known. God worked a miracle that we could not, that we could not fathom. And then think about just even this, if you would. Think about every time they stopped at the end of the day, the campground they had to, they rest in for three and a half million people now again, okay? Three and a half million, I mean, just to think of it for just a minute. The campground would have to be equivalent to the size of the state of Rhode Island. It would have to be at least 750 square miles in circumference. I mean, you think about it, God took care of their needs way out there in that desert area. And then we get to the New Testament by demonstration. And there's the healing of people who had incurable diseases. And the control over storms on the open seas. And the feeding of the multitudes with just a bare minimum of food. And the supernatural entry of Jesus Christ into this world by way of a virgin birth. And then, if you would, the miracle of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm saying tonight, we think about the excellence of God. God never makes a mistake. God knows what he's doing. He's excellent in all his workings. No wonder the psalmist could say in Psalm chapter 8, O Lord our God, how excellent is thy name, O God. He is excellent above all. And so tonight we see God, only God in his excellence. But notice number two tonight, if you have your notes out. I want you to consider with me tonight, only God in his essential. Only God in his essential. Now, when we say only God, we're basically saying this, if I don't have God, I'm not going to make it. If I don't have God, I'm not going to make it. If God is not involved in my life, I'm not going to make it. I mean, we have to think with me for, think, think through this for just a minute. When we think about all the, all the moving pieces in Heritage Baptist Church right now, people here tonight and people not able to be here tonight. I mean, here's a question that's going through some minds. How am I going to make it 
with the health trial that I've got? How is my marriage going to weather the challenges that I have? How am I going to make it spiritually in 2020? You don't even know, Pastor Fong, you don't even know, church family, how I'm basically scraping the bottom of the barrel just trying to get by. How am I going to make it in 2020? How are we going to keep existing ministries going in 2020? How do we keep them alive and growing and thriving? How are we going to start new ministries that will thrive? How are we going to have breakthroughs in every ministry? How are we going to have breakthroughs in our personal life? How are we going to see answers to prayer that we didn't see this year? How are we going to see enhanced retention of visitors and changed lives and greater commitments? How are we going to be well positioned for a changing economic and political landscape? I mean, I don't know about you, but how are you going to help me to glorify God in crossing some Red Seas and knocking down some Jericho walls and defeating some giants and helping maybe to start a church next year and to get some and training up some young Timothys there and increase our presence in the brandy of God's church? Listen, only two words can answer all those questions. Only God, only God can get those things done. Only God can accomplish that. We have been trying to build a church in our power. We cannot build a church in our power. We've been trying to build adult growth groups in our power. We cannot build adult growth groups in our power. We've been trying to build language ministries in our power. We cannot grow language ministries in our power. We've been trying to, and we've been trying to get the church moving through events. Events only are not going to do it. God only is going to do it there tonight. And I'm reminding you this evening, we've tried in our power to do things. We've tried in our wit. We've tried in our program. We've tried in all of these things. But all those things, as good as they are, they are not God. We are at the place where only God can bless faith. Only God can answer prayer. Only God can move his church forward tonight. I'm going to tell you tonight, only God is the answer. More spending money is not the answer. Let, let them curtail the budget. There'll be no money for there. We still need God. So we need a new president. We need God. We need a new Congress. I agree with that, but we need God. We need change of the government in Sacramento. I definitely agree with that, but we need God. What's the, sol- what's the solution for the homeless problem in San Francisco? Only God. Because politicians can't solve it. Politicians want to get in your pocket and spend, tax everybody and, and more taxation, more taxation. They don't solve the problem. The streets are still filled with human excrement and junk like that. They're not solving the problem. You've got to change the heart of these people. Give him a porta potty doesn't solve the problem. Excuse me. Only God is the strength of my life. Only God can be the shield of my faith. Only God can enable me to run through troops and leap over a wall. Only God is most high. Only God is almighty. Only God says, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Only God is almighty. Only God is everlasting, eternal. Listen, you're going to open your gifts and you're going to get your Christmas gifts, but you're going to realize something. It's either going to become obsolete or it's going to die on you. God never dies. God's never obsolete. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only God is our Savior. By the way, people are trying to reinvent Christianity and reinvent things. I want to tell you, Jesus still saves, amen? Jesus is still in the saving business. And see, Jesus is still in the business of building churches. And Jesus is still in the business of getting Christians who get on fire for God and get outside those church doors and take a few tracks and get out there and do something great for God. Only God is all-powerful. Only God can part the waters. And by the way, God is looking for some people who have enough faith to believe he can't part some waters. Only God can stop the rain and send the rain. Only God can heal the sick. Only God can raise the dead. Only God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omni-omniscient. Only God keeps his promises, by the way. Only God does the saving. Only God builds the church. Only God gives us imagination. Only God for every life. Only God is our message. Hey, only God is going to give you another day to live for him. Only God deserves your worship. Only God deserves your love. We get that place realizing it's only God. There's going to be a change in our life. 
When it's only God, you want to fast and pray. When it's only God, you don't desire anything but him or him alone. You'll be like David in his old age, whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none other else that I want but thee. I'm going to tell you tonight, we have a lot of things. We need to get rid of our toys, and we need God. Only God. The psalmist said, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. Only God. Jesus, without me, you can do nothing. Only God. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain who build it. Only God. I'm saying tonight, the essential in life, the essential the moment you get saved, the essential to keep going on strong for God is only God. The essential before Jesus takes us home is only God. Only God in what we're doing tonight. And so tonight we see, we see number one, we see the excellence of an only God mind. And we see the essential of only God. But as we close tonight, I want you to consider with me the expectation of only God. Go back with me to Romans chapter 16. Paul was so consumed with God. In verse 26, we see God in his person. He says, the everlasting God. He's infinite. He's here forever. And by the way, he's not going away. Amen? In verse 25, we see God in his power. Now to him that is of power, aren't you glad tonight his power never diminishes? His power doesn't need improvement. He's all-powerful. And we see in verse 27, God in his purpose, through God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Now, God is glorified when, when what we do and how we do it is only God. Let me give you these things tonight as we think about only God for 2020. Let me give you a few things to think about and hopefully stimulate you and inspire you to pray a little bit more. Number one, we must have only God as our priority. We must have only God as our priority. In John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, our Lord Jesus Christ said this, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except, there's the only there, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. And hey, I'm going to tell you tonight, we cannot bear fruit if our fellowship is not with him, if it's not connected. If we're not having sweet fellowship with the Lord, it's not going to happen. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now, look up here. We need a church. We need a church, an only God church of committed disciples. Now, thank you, you're a committed Christian. Would you be a committed disciple? Spend some time reading Luke chapter 14. Take up your cross. Take up the shame of the cross. Take up the weight of the cross. If you're living for God, you're going to have conflicts with others, but you need to take up your cross. You need to live for Christ. Committed disciples. Disciples following Jesus. You know, disciples, discipleship is a 24-7 thing. I mean, you think about Jesus, what he was establishing with those men. I mean, they were with Jesus. From that moment, he called them in Matthew chapter 10. I mean, they were with him wherever he went. I mean, committed disciples. Now, how are we going to get there? Well, two years ago, we had uh, Brother Van Gelderen here, and, and he really helped our church. It was something that I, I felt would be very helpful to us. And he helped our church by having, helping us to emphasize uh, prayer through a Christ walk journal. And right now as we're si sitting, we're, we're sitting here, I'm having, I'm having that Christ walk journal book translated. So we have it in all other languages. But we're going to have a very strong emphasis in 2020. A very strong emphasis. I mean in your face emphasis. About walking with God in prayer. Now there's a lot of praying. But I think if you record yourself, is you're praying the kind of praying that pleases God. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and reward of them to diligently seek him. We will, we're seeking to impact the church as a whole and patiently helping people to grow in Christ and learning what it means to have, walk with God in prayer, learning what it means to isolate time where it's just you and you and God alone, and you're gonna protect that time very preciously. Now, some get very nervous about that, but I'm gonna remind you tonight, we are commanded to pray. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. By the way, if you're on the verge of quitting, that's because you're not praying. If you're on the verge of throwing in the towel, it's because you're not praying. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. If you're upset with something because you got discouraged, you need to get back to praying. The solution to everything is you got to go back to praying. He said, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Now, if you're, if you're praying is vindictive praying and you're praying is just, is you're angry and you're praying, the Bible says, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. He says on one extreme, not being, not being filled with just bitterness. On the other extreme, he says, not having unbelief in your heart. He said this in 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, and uh, intercessions, and giving thanks to be made for all men. Prayer is the exercise of faith. Prayer draws you closer to God. Prayer changes your life. We're gonna be using this and, try, and, pr- and praying through this process here that God will help me to raise up more qualified disciples who will be involved in the process of just getting involved and spending some time and helping to grow some people in Jesus Christ. But our priority and only God priority is emphasizing prayer and our walk with God and our fellowship with the Lord. Number two, an only God, an only God Christian is gonna be concerned about his productivity. Only God in our productivity. Now, thank God this year, going into today, uh, the Lord has blessed us with 969 first-time visitors and many returning visitors. Now, um, probably about four or five years since 2019, probably about 2014, 2015, probably had our highest years of first-time visitors. We had as many as 1,200, 1,300 first-time visitors through our program. And that's without having, you know, big, big promotional days to where you just go out and so forth. I mean, we've just kind of utilized these special event programs, something that we've just kind of had to develop as a church there, and that's great. But as we had the larger number of visitors, our retention was very low. I was sharing with some of the men the other night and, and, the, and telling the staff this, that this, this, this past two years, we've seen, we've seen about a steady flow of between 800, to 1,000, uh, 800,000 first-time visitors, but our retention is much higher. We're seeing just the Lord working through lives. There's much more retention. We're thankful for that, 969 visitors. But, but I'm also excited about the fact that going into, after last Sunday night, we have about 255 professions of faith, 255 people that trusted Jesus Christ our Savior. Our backlog, and this is a good position to be in, but our backlog of people we're following up on right now that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior is very exciting. I was excited to see several people back here uh, this morning uh, without coercion or even phone call or anything like that, who came back, they promised they'd come back, and they came back to church this morning. We're thankful for that. But productivity, as we think about that, is, is, is bearing fruit, and God wants us to bear fruit, and fruit that remains. He tells us in John chapter 15, verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that will I do for you. Now, God wants us to bear fruit. Now, let me, let me give you some thoughts, and please don't take this wrong or try to misconstrue something or read something between the lines, okay? As I've been praying over our ministries, I'm going to continue to pray over our ministries, what we're doing. You know, it's essential that everyone is in the right place. The right people in the right place results in multiplication. And a lot of times, we, we, like we did in the early days of our church, we just kind of did getting things going. Just We took any volunteer we could, and we put them somewhere. And uh, then we found out that the ministry grew too large for them, that, and, they, and that they really weren't, didn't have the, perhaps the skill set or whatever it was to not to really match up with it. Or maybe they, or it, being involved in the ministry, their, their spiritual life just really didn't catch up with it. And so a lot of times, you wind up having the 
the right person in the wrong place and the wrong person in the right place. And in both, in both situations, it just, it's counterproductive to, to what, what God wants to do there. And so we're, gonna, we're evaluating the ministries, and most of our ministries will need restructure and refocus in order so that, and, and even breaking up so that we can, we can, we can uh, achieve greater scale with those ministries there. And listen, by the way, if, if I ask you, if you get asked to reposition something, I mean, I'm going to have to ask the staff to do the same thing. I told the staff then, I told the deacons, I may have to ask you guys to do something different. And if I ask to ask you to do something different, you should with a willing heart say, well, praise God. If it, will, if it will glorify God and will help his ministry go, you should say, thank God for that because wherever we put you, you're the right person, right place. That's where you ought to be, amen? And you want to be the right person, right place. And we don't want to be a hindrance to the work of God there. So, you know, we're going to have to restructure some things to achieve greater scale. Secondly, you know, our growth, is, our growth when we look at long-term-wise, our growth has to come through extension ministries and adult growth groups. There are several right now that I know that if I break them up and if I get the right teachers in there that can, can carry it, I can, I can extend growth. I've already got some, some thoughts that God's put on my mind for a year now that I just feel very convinced about as I'm praying and reading through the scriptures that I'm going to emphasize people's strengths that can help us start some new adult growth groups and extension ministries that I think can take off in different realms there. Um, thirdly, we need new soul winners who will be trained and more soul winning emphasized. And we've got, a, we've got a, a number of things we're going to be doing to help to train that there. But every, everybody in, in church here, everybody, I want all of you to be all about souls. I, I love going to be with my good friend, Dr. Ed Lorena, and being around his church members, because everything around them is all about souls and reaching people for Christ. And they're not, they're not so narrow-focused that they're, they're focused just on one way of doing things. They're realizing it's all about winning souls to Christ. And uh, we're encouraging everyone, if you haven't, that you make a decision to go through soul-winning training and learn how to win souls. I want to encourage you this year that you, you need to get that list of people and take me with you to help you win your family to Christ and reach them before it's too late. There. Let's reach them while we can. We need to emphasize greater productivity and what we're doing. Only God in our productivity. But notice letter C, only God in our property. Now I want to talk a little bit about our property. We are blessed of God. I, I get, I, in fact, I just got a request, I think it was yesterday or this morning, from a pastor friend, a church plant that's been around for about 10 or 12 years. And, uh, you know, they're doing everything they can. The pastor and his people are working very hard. But he's, a little, he's 10 years older right now and just doesn't have that same, let's just say that same, uh, that same energy he had before. He still had the same vision, but didn't have the same energy as before. And I, I look at some guys that I know, that some of these pastors are faithful men. They don't have buildings uh, that, that, they, that their church has their own. They struggle to get, to get a down payment up. They're just struggling just to raise money to buy a van to go minister to a bunch of people. They're trying to reach for the Lord, and when they're reaching out to churches like us, and can you help us out? Can you send us a love offering, things like that? I mean, you kind of want to help everybody, but you can't help everybody. But I'm reminded tonight, through all that, that God has blessed us incredibly, and I think God has a vision for our church that we need to get on, on, get on board with. Do you realize tonight that God blessed us with property we weren't even five years old? My good friend, Winnie Pichardo over in Daly City, their church is about 12 years old. They still don't have property. I know of other preachers right now who've, had prop, who've, been, who've been, in, uh, been running churches for 15, 20 years. They still don't have their own property. I'm thinking about that, a good pastor down in Southern California that we supported for many years doing a good work, Brother Paul Choi, doing a good work for God down in Southern California. And they're, they're, they're way over the 100 mark. Their church became self-sustaining in about two years. And I'm, I praise God for that. But they don't have their own building. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you know, God just saw something in our church about, about uh, 18 years ago, they said, you know, I'm going to trust you with some property. I think if I could trust you with property, I think you'll fill it up, and you'll fill those classrooms and things of that nature there. But I want to talk to you tonight about property, because God is blessed with property. He's blessed us with three building programs. He blessed us with the acquisitions property. He blessed us with the 
with the, with the, the approval of the city of San Leandro, with the build-out of this, this building. He's blessed us with the build-out of the Berean Center. And all these buildings are a blessing. They've just been a blessing so many little ways and big ways there. And I want to tell you tonight, as we look at our property, I want to give you some things to think about here as we pray about things. And we're going to be throwing some things out at you. Number one, we need to keep paying down our debt. Now, when Anniversary Sunday comes up, or in the third, the third Sunday of January, I'm going to be challenging their church. I'm going to starting tonight. I'm going to be challenging the church, everyone in the church, to participate in raising several hundred thousand dollars again through, the, through 2020 that, we can, we, that will help us to pay down our debt. To the glory of God, God enabled this church to pay down 500000 of debt last year. I mean, that's to the glory of God. Saving very prudently, being very careful in the monies we raise through several offerings. And we're not going to have a banquet. I'm just going to just set you aside. I'm not going to have a banquet next year to do that. I want to see where God, we have an only God heart, that we just let God work in our hearts. And we're going to spread out maybe two or three different Sundays when we can bring in a special love offering to participate in paying down that debt. And I just could tell you, I wish I could tell you things about what God is doing in hearts. I wish I could tell you about the widow's mites that God has given and people participated. And some of us here in this room, God has blessed you incredibly, but our giving has been so small compared to the sacrifices many others that you'll never know about have done. And I want to say to you tonight, we need to keep paying down debt so we don't get ourselves in a situation where it's over our head and getting our budget so it's under control. Second, we need to continue raising funds for the maintenance of our buildings. Our buildings, we've been here now for, 20, for 18 years or so, 17 years, and uh, we, you know, we've got a, this main building needs a lot of work here. The main building needs painting. The main building needs, uh, we're going to need to repave the parking lot. I want to get the church ready for 2021. We, we're going to have to raise up a, a pretty good amount of money to repay probably half of our parking lot. I just remember about 10 years ago when we did just a, a surface covering, to do a repaving of the entire parking lot before we put these buildings on was going to run about a quarter million dollars back at that time. I don't even know what it runs today. It might be a quarter million dollars just to do half of it. We can't keep layering and layering and layering. It's just that, that, under, that, that the stuff underneath needs to be taken out, needs to be ground out. We've got to do it all over again. But we're going to have to be doing things like that. We've got equipment that needs to be serviced. We've got things to be... Hey, listen, the reason why the heating's not on right now is because when the heating runs, it interferes with the lights. The lights go out, so we've got to get the light thing fixed there. That, that is not a cheap proposition right there. I mean, just these things like that go on and on and on. And uh, when we put up these buildings, we knew this was going to happen, but our, 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 our utilization costs have gone up dramatically with, with just heating and AC and lights on and things of that nature. And we're still trying to get our, our heads wrapped around just getting a, 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 trying an idea what's a stable amount of money to spend. And you go through that, you know, you go through that with your water bill and your electric bill and things like that. And as a church, we have to go through that there too. Thirdly, the, we need to make continued improvements. I'm praying over just doing some space planning on the building next door and, and uh, doing some painting on this building. We've just got to do things for our properties. We've got to uh, just enhance some things on the inside and, and put some freshness to there. And, and uh, then there's prayer and surveying being done right now for additional property, for parking, and uh, new ministries that we can start where we can be zoned for those ministries. There's many ministries I'd like to start that we're not zoned for. It would be a mistake to even try to put a square peg in a round hole to do that. In fact, I just this, today, uh, we took a church member out for lunch and we needed to help a little bit there. And then afterwards we were done, we just went out to go take a look at a property that someone told me about and I went to survey it and I've seen that property before. I kind of thought I'd seen it before and I had seen it before, but where it's location, I just need to pray over it a little bit more. But right now, the location is not suitable for, I feel, for safety and other reasons there. But, but I mean, these are things things as we consider as a ministry, we're, we're looking for God to just continue to bless the ministry and grow, and we need to see our part in, in having involvement there. So, you know, the only God for our property. But then letter D, I want you to consider with me tonight, only God for our preparation. Now, we need to win souls, and we need to disciple, and we need to have services. But I'm going to have to, because of where I'm at in life right now, I've got to refocus my time right now as a good steward. 
where maybe even one-third of my time is developing leaders for the future. Where our church is going to be, we can't grow without the right spiritual leaders in place, spiritual men. And God gave Moses the prescription for how do, you man, how do you manage a large group of people and grow them. And he told him over there in Exodus chapter 18, moreover, listen to this, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. You know what he's saying? Moses, you can't manage all that by yourself. You need some leaders. You need some men. Now, I, don't, I, think, I, think, I think a good number of the men to be raised up are in this church. And I think there will be some that God's going to have to send my way that I'm praying for. But I'm just saying is that in our early years, we could throw people different things. And we kind of did some patchwork. We can't do that strategically where the church is right now. Strategically, the church cannot thrive or grow in a healthy environment unless we're raising up some men and some leaders. Now, let me challenge some of you young men out here tonight. Now, a lot of you are into world, seeing the world. I'm for that. But Jesus called us to win the world. A lot of you want to go on tours. I'm for that. But I remind you, we have a task. Pastor Fong can't do it by himself. I need some men that are committed. And some of you men who are talented, and you know God has spoken to you in a church service. Don't wait for some camp or R.V. Let gets here, or Sam Davison will be here this time in October. Don't wait for those men to come. If God is speaking to you, you need to let the Holy Spirit of God have liberty in your heart, and so he has such a liberty, you surrender to the will of God. We're in this entertainment mindset. We think, well, listen, I'm going to wait until Sam Davison comes before I'm going to respond. Listen, if the Spirit of God is not speaking to you, it's not because the Spirit of God is not at work. You're not listening to his voice. The men, you need to get to place where you start surrendering. And some of you men tonight, you need to be godly husbands who lead your family in a godly way, reading the Bible, praying with them, being godly men. And listen, if God uses your wife to correct you, you ought to be humble enough to say, honey, thank you for being the voice of God to correct me. I know, guys, how it feels. You don't want your wife correcting you, but thank God, God gave you exactly what you needed because some of us need more correcting than anything else there. I'm just saying tonight, we need some men. We need some men. As I said before, we've got to break up some things to achieve some new levels. We need new roles and positioning of roles, and we need us to get a place of realizing we think we know it, but we really don't know. We've got to do it the Bible way. Listen tonight, we're not going to go off like, the, like a lot of the liberals are going right now and going off these idea day type of things. Listen, I'm for ideas, but listen tonight, we need the power of God more than we need ideas. Amen. Thirdly, thirdly, spiritual leadership development so I can grow the church through Sunday school, growth groups, extension ministry, club fellowships. A lot of our shit right now, we've kind of been searching, what do you think about this person here? I'll tell you what I think right now. This is why I need a Bible institute right now. And I need a Bible institute. I, got, I need my men that are going to be helping with this to really be there. And I may have to pull some men in. We may go to a modular Bible institute. I've got a lot of good men that right now that are different phases of life. Men like Kevin Folger and Mike Edwards and, and men like uh, uh, Rick Flanders. In fact, Brother Flanders just contacted me yesterday about coming out here. And I can bring these guys in for a week and I could do a modular. I could, I could and basically, they, they can cover about probably 10 hours, 15 hours of major doctrine or some teaching aspect that can help our church grow and bless our church and build up our church in some way. And I can bring these men in as long as we can house them and, and take care of their needs during that time. And then we think about, we think about uh, 
Just, just different ways. We're trying to find ways where we're not stretching people, their schedules any thinner. But Bible Institutes would be the way to qualify that and to structure them and give them a heart for God and give them the assignments to do those type of things. And so, you know, we, we need to develop spiritual leadership. Like I'm trying to reconfigure how I'm going to do Wednesday night so I have more time to training men and training leaders and doing some Q&A time and, and spending some time hanging out with the men just in prayer and things we could do there together. And uh, we're looking at mission endeavors, not just for mission trip purposes, but for men to get a heart for God and go into a true mission field endeavor where they really see so saved and get thrown into the trenches and really see God doing some great works there and learning how to pray down the power of God. I'm saying we need this in our preparation. And I want to encourage you young men and older men alike, don't get used to just being at church. Come with a heart like some of these men who get down on the aisles on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights here and get on their face before God and say, God, we need your power. We need you to do something in our life and our church that we don't have right now. And then finally tonight, I want you to consider with me this evening as we close, I want you to think with me tonight, only God in our practices. Now write this down and we're done. Number one, and only God's strategy requires faith. We need to exercise faith. Hebrews eleven six makes very clear, only God in faith. We must believe that God is, that he's capable, that he's for us, that he forgives, and he forgives us and cleanses from all unrighteousness. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. My faith is too small, and your faith is too small. Little faith perplexes God. He says, oh, ye of little faith. Little faith is reflected in little prayers or wrong praying. Little faith is reflected in little efforts. Little faith is reflected in little being done. It's going to take faith to start preschool ministry. It's going to take faith to start after-school tutoring program. It's going to take faith to say, I'm going to be part of that, and I'll give the time necessary to tutor through that. It's going to take faith to have a church-based Bible Institute. It's going to have to take faith for men to surrender to the gospel ministry and trust God. Listen, it's good for you to trust God and for the corporation to write your paycheck, but can I remind you tonight, God's going to write your paycheck. He'll take better care of you in the corporation. Second, we need only God for our faith. The second, we need only God for our fire. Elijah prayed down fire from heaven. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down. James and John, as they were disciples of Jesus Christ, they believed they could pray down fire. They had a wrong motive, but they believed they could pray down fire. They believed they had that kind of power. We need the fire of revival. The fires of answered prayer. We need this fire of soul winning, burning in our church. Thank God for faithful soul winning. I want to say for 2020, thank you for being faithful soul winners being faithful in your place and going after souls and reaching souls for Jesus Christ. We need fire in our souls. That songwriter said, set my soul afire, Lord. They said, did not our hearts burn within us as we walked in the way with him? To Jeremiah said, his word was in my heart as a burning fire. We need fire to burn away the dross of sin. We need fire burning in the pulpit. We need fire burning in our friendships. We need fire burning in our zeal for God. We need so many fire. Hey, listen, wake up on Saturday mornings and get your heart ready Friday night and Thursday night getting prepared for Saturday. Wake up Saturday morning with a deep burning fire in your heart. I've got to get the gospel out to somebody on Saturday morning and get started on Monday tomorrow and say, I've got to find somebody to get the gospel to. My heart is burning within me. I heard something in the preaching on Sunday that got a hold of me. Don't write lessons out and prepare lessons for the sake of doing it. Get a fire in your heart for God to do something great there. Third, we need faithfulness. I'll close with this verse, Luke 18, 8. Jesus said this, I will tell you that he will avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find you faithful? 
Will he find you faithful in your thinking? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Paul said in Philippians 4.9, as you've seen and heard me, he said, do. As you've seen and heard me, do. Will he find faith? Will he be faithful? Only God in our faithfulness. There's one thing you can do, you can be faithful. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Tonight as we close, is it only God for you? Is it only God for your home? Only God for your marriage? Only God for your children? Only God for your devotions? Only God for your productivity? Only God as a church member? Only God as a teacher? Only God as a Christian? Only God as a disciple? I'm going to do something different tonight. There's no coercion on this. But if you let God work in your heart tonight, I want you to join us this evening all around the church auditorium and praying for God to give us an only God revival around the church. Only God. Only God. What do you mean business tonight? And put aside our pride. Put aside our way of thinking. So God, I want you to have only God. Some here tonight, you're facing some pretty big trials coming up in 2020. Some of us, all of us perhaps. It's only God's going to get us through that. Only God's going to make a way. Only God can knock down those Jericho walls. Only God can shut the mouths of lions. Only God can make possible the rebuilding of walls. Only God can part the Red Sea. Elisha, as he picked up the mantle of Elijah, he thought about this. He thought, you know, Elijah's getting me ready because he's helped me realize for 10 years I've been relying on Elijah for everything. He's getting me ready, he says, as he made those different stops at Gilgal and Bethel, Jericho and Jordan. He says, do you want, why don't you stay here? He says, tarry thou here as I go ahead. He says, no. He says, where you go, I'm going to go. And then the reality hit him. The Lord sent the chariot of fire down from heaven took of Elijah into heaven. The only thing left from Elijah was the mantle that fell from his shoulders down to the ground. Elisha picked up that mantle and he said this, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? You know what he came to the conclusion of? It's only God that's going to help me in my ministry. It's only God that's going to carry me through. And he picked up that mantle. And he did something when only one or two other men did. He took that mantle and he parted the Jordan River and went hither and thither. Only Elijah and, and Joshua saw that. And listen tonight, we need some men of God. We need some men who can see God part some waters in our lives. He needs to part some ways with us. Would you come tonight? Maybe some of you have never done this before. Would you find somewhere that you can kneel down? And if you can't kneel, understand, you can sit where you're at. But you find some place where you'll kneel and say, God, it's been about me, but not about you. I want only God. I want it, I want it known in my life that it's only God who's going to count. Only God has priority in my life. You find your place in just a moment. We're not going to sing. We're going to have a time. The pianist is going to play. I invite you to come. You find your place. Father, tonight, thank you this evening for the theme, and I'm excited about how it's going to unravel and where it's going to go, and Lord, how you work in our lives. And tonight, it's only about you. It's only God. Paul said, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and forever. And Lord, tonight I thank you, this church family, we have stayed together for all these years. Thank you for many new members you've brought to our church. I thank you for many who are growing in the faith. I thank you for recent decisions of trusting Christ as Savior. And I thank you, Lord, going back to the very starting days of our church, who people who have stayed by the stuff. But Lord, tonight, it's only God for our faith. 
Forgive us for little faith. We need to step out in greater faith as a church. Only God, Lord, for our fire. Only God for our faithless. And Lord, you know my heart. I didn't, I didn't have a chance to say everything that needs to be said tonight, and probably rightly so. But Lord, this evening, I pray that you'd help us realize it's only God. I pray you help undergird husbands and fathers to be men of God at home. Not worrying about managing other people, managing their own families, leading their families aright. And God, I pray for ladies, and thank God for the ladies of our church. I thank you for those, those women who helped me in the gospel, as Paul said. And those women who have a love for Christ and just help me to advance the cause of Christ, bless us this evening with ladies in our church who have only God as their priority. I pray for our teenagers. Lord, it grieves my heart. We're not seeing a generation of young people surrender to the ministry like we should. It's grieving my heart, Lord. We're not seeing changes in lives. I pray you get a hold of our young people and stir them that's only God for their lives. Lord, it's not about whether or not they can trust an institution or trust the job to take care of them. Father, we need to be convinced, God, you'll take better care of us than any job could take care of us. And Lord, how many who are in the working force today could, could testify of the disappointment they believe the lie of the devil, that they would have a great corporate success only to realizing that they're not happy, they're discontented, and they're realizing that they've hit a dead end. And Father, help us realize, Lord, there's joy in serving Jesus and joy in serving God. As we pray around the room, many here in this room have loved ones that need to get saved. I pray 2020, even before we even hit 2020, that, Lord, these loved ones would get saved. I pray, for Lord, for discipleship in our church, a great growth. I pray for great development in our praying that we be a church who is only God in our heart. Lord, as we respond tonight, we want you to get the glory and praise. Please help increase our, our, our faith and increase our courage and help us to take those steps forward that glorifies and pleases God. Lord, forgive us tonight. We have a lot of baggage. We have weights and sins which easily beset us. And tonight I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to let go of those things that are besetting us. Use, I pray, perhaps the wives in homes to be the still small voice of God. And helping husbands, perhaps, who are struggling to realize they've got to obey God. And help us, Lord, to use husbands tonight, perhaps, where they've got, uh, perhaps they've lost control in their home and they need to get, to get control of their home for God. They take back control by leading their family to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness that these things be added to them. Father, we realize, Lord, as we approach 2020, everyone in this room is going to be a year older. And for those up in their years a little bit, they realize that they just, things start to slow down. And some of us realize that we're going to be in different phases of life as young children become teenagers and teenagers go to college. And some will be having children who get married and some will be having more children. I mean, Lord, it doesn't stop. These things are ongoing. And tonight we ask you this evening, only God in your holiness, only God in your power, only God in our preferences, only God in our practices. Father, work in our hearts. Help us to be faithful tonight. Thank you, Lord, this evening for laying the groundwork through this new theme. And through this new theme, we pray that you'll be glorified and magnified. Thank you for those here tonight. I know you'll do a great work in our hearts, and we look forward to the rest of the church coming together and being challenged in the same way. We pray you challenge your faith to grow and expand and do more for Christ. Thank you for loving us tonight. We pray all these things in the powerful, matchless, only name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I know it's almost time to go, but I asked Brother Irwin to come for just a moment. And I, wanted, I want you to, we have the, our New Year packets ready to go. And we're excited about that. And I love these packets and the design that we have here. And so before you take off here tonight, the ushers get ready. I'm going to ask Brother Irwin to come to say a few things about that. Then I'll close it up. And then we'll be ready to let you dismiss and go home for tonight. Brother Irwin, would you come, please? Thank you, Pastor, for that message. And really just for stirring our hearts for the year 2020. I hope that you are excited 
and that you are ready for what God has in store for you and your family. I want to introduce to you some contents that we have in our packet that we'd like for you to take advantage of. It will help you get the year started off really well and be able to help you get started with a good momentum. First, we want to have all of you guys be aware that this is a tote bag that has our our new theme on it, and it's just something that you guys can carry around, use it as a conversation starter, and uh, introduce people to the church and our theme. And within the uh, tote bag, we have several things for you, similar to others, uh, but we have beautiful uh, uh, materials with graphics and so forth. We have our tracks. Uh, we have uh, tracks in each of the tote bag. We want to make sure that you start passing out invitations to people, uh, new people that you haven't met yet or people that you've been trying to invite to church. Uh, there's tracks for you, and also we have the gospel in the back. Use them and, uh, and uh, see that maybe even within the first months of the year that you could lead somebody to the Lord. That would be an exciting thing. And then with that, we also have our Bible reading schedule. Uh, and so this is two-sided. It starts from January all the way to December, and maybe you've been faithful in reading your uh, Bible every single day, or sometimes you miss a day and whatnot, and you don't use a schedule. Take advantage of this. Make sure that you mark off what dates you're reading and or what passages you're reading on what dates, and see if you uh, if uh, you'd be able to finish reading uh, the entire Bible uh, from January to December. And then also we have our magnets, and this is something that you could use uh, at home or somewhere at work. Uh, don't put it in your car outside; <laughs> it'll fall off. But something where you could place a magnet, and the key. Thing with our magnet this year is that we have all the key dates for that. We want to be sensitive to your schedule throughout the year. I know you have plenty of work commitments and also family vacations and so forth, but we want you to know already what dates we have for our church, big events, and stuff like that. And we want you to be able to be sensitive to these dates so that way you're not missing out on special occasions here at church and whatnot, and you'd work around your schedule with what we have here. And then lastly, we have in more detailed schedules our calendar. We have all from uh, January even all the way to the, uh, next year's January. And then with that, we also have several of the items that we have social media accounts for. And so at this time, we'd actually want you to do something just a little bit different before we close and uh, have you uh, take out your phone. And let me introduce you to a few things that you'd be able to uh, uh, be a part of with our, with our church accounts and social media. If you're not a part of our My God Morning Devotions that Pastor writes daily, uh, we have a, a website for you to have devotionals sent to your account on email. It's called mygodmorning.com. And uh, we want to make sure that you uh, uh, take advantage of that. And, and that's something that you could read on your commute to work or maybe in your lunch break. Uh, maybe before uh, you go to sleep at nighttime, take advantage of those devotions. And then also we have four accounts that we want you to be aware of. We have our Facebook account, our Instagram account, our Twitter account, and our YouTube account, all with a, uh, with a, with a, um, a name tag at HBC Cares. And so if you have your Facebook uh, and you haven't uh, uh, liked our page yet, we want you to do that right now or your Instagram or Twitter. If you haven't followed our church account or pastor's account, we want you to be able to do that. And then if you haven't subscribed to YouTube, uh, we want you to do that as well. That way you'll be able to increase our uh, our subscriptions and then also have that as an attraction for more people to follow. And then also we have our Yelp and uh, Google uh, reviews that we want you guys to uh, participate in. If you haven't given five stars, and I don't know if it's four or five stars, we want you to do that this year or before the year uh, or before the new year starts and start giving good reviews. And you know, people read them. Uh, people read them. And uh, you, you're amazed of how many times our church, is vis- our church websites is visited. Uh, people look for uh, a church where they uh, are away on vacation or they're at work and they're looking for a good church to go to. And the one that has most reviews is really where people's eyes are drawn towards. And so we want you to make sure that you do uh, all that you can in advertising our church. You know, our community is only going to know God through our church. 
And if we don't advertise our church, and if we don't allow our church to be visibly recognized, uh, then our, our community is not going to be able to be aware of who God is. And so tonight we want you to be encouraged and to be challenged in, in doing all that you can. Use every avenue that God has allowed you to use uh, in bringing people to church and bringing people to Christ. And so with that, uh, I'd like to say that the uh, packets is one adult uh, uh, per, um, college age and up and so if you are a young person uh, 18 and under uh, then please uh, refrain from getting one uh, you'll if you're in YF we will provide that for you if we have any extras uh, but if you're an adult college uh, age and up then you uh, feel free to take one uh, make sure that you are able to uh, use it and don't just leave it in the car or in the closets and whatnot make sure that you take advantage of these resources they're they're beautiful and also they're uh, very helpful for your spiritual life there so uh, with that uh, any more announcements pastor Yes, sir. All right, Pastor. Just a couple of things. If you look at the calendar tonight, um, we did something a little bit different to try to give it a little bit more clarity. And uh, you'll, when you look inside, you'll see that we put the weekly schedule on the top here versus just kind of putting it on the calendar. And one of the things I'm just, in the, I'm thankful the staff caught my heart on this. I'm just very, very careful that we, that we have a lot of events. We're trying not to be so structured that all we have is events. Uh, every Sunday is a great Sunday for God. Every Sunday is a great Sunday coming to church here. You need to get the mindset that when you come to church, it's a great church because it's God's church. And regardless of who preaches, as long as the Word of God is open and the Word of God is preached, it's a great message. That's the mindset we should have there, okay? Because if we don't, we get the place that we're, we're trying to be mesmerized by somebody's intellectualism or something. We've just missed it right there. So let's come with a spirit of meekness to receiving God's word and letting God work through that. So I hope the calendar is a blessing to you. Is it, it gives you things to think about and pray over. And we might tell you some things during, during the, you know, a month's time that you can jot inside the calendar that you can put in there. There'll be a blessing for that. Um, there's so much more to say, but we, don't, we were just really thankful. We believe this theme will really help us in our devotions, our walk with God, uh, you know, just all that we do for the Lord. And we want God to be glorified through that. Everyone who wasn't here tonight who's a regular attendee or a member that couldn't make it here, they're going to get theirs next week and the week after. So we're going to kind of just keep the theme very fresh. And my, my reason for waiting really to, or doing it a little bit earlier is we're just coming off of just a great Christmas musical and a great fall campaign. And I just kind of felt like even though people are going on vacation, that just going into the holidays... This would be a good time to kind of launch out, put the seed in your mind as you're praying about and thinking about things. And then we get up to the new year starting in January 1st, January 2nd. We just get hit the ground running, running hard really well. And our Sundays, the new series and things we're doing, it's going to be great there. And, and I want all of you who are part of a, of a growth group or Sunday school class to really embrace, you know, being an integral part of contributing to the growth of that class and building it up. Because really, you, you need to have your part in there too. And that'll be all a good thing for us there. Um, be here Tuesday, 6.30, for the Christmas Eve service. If you're not already committed, we're going to have some time of singing. A man came up to me today. He says, Pastor, he says, can we sing this hymn? It's a good hymn. I said, you know, I'm sorry we didn't have that on the selection today, but uh, maybe on Tuesday night we'll see if we can do that. And I said, if you'll come on Tuesday night, we, you and I can sing a duet. He says, I don't think I want to come Tuesday night, you know. And so that didn't work very well. That didn't fly with him there. But, uh, you know, but anyway, I always have the staff. I told the staff, if we don't have special music, we can always sing, all right? And that's it. And they looked at me and said, are you kidding, Pastor? And so anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Well, anyway, thank you for being here tonight at 721. Let's let you go home. Let's stand up. I'm glad you're in church tonight. Amen. Only, God. only, God. to God only be wise. Amen. Father, dismiss with your blessing. Thank you that you're deserving of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.